0: Hunter Henry's out for the season. Brandon Marshall signs with the Seahawks, and we're playing buy, sell, hold on RotoViz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin. This is RotoViz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm joined, as always, by Matthew Friedman, Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action
1: Network. What's going on, Matt? Uh, not much. Just uh, traveling. Uh, right now, as I'm recording this, I am uh, in a hotel in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, so it's good. Stuff's going well. Oh my gosh. Wait, you if you had mentioned it at me, I would
0: have come up to Portsmouth. We could have done this live in person. Uh,
1: <laughs> wait, where do you live?
0: I live in Bedford, New Hampshire, so like right next to
1: Manchester. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, that is very, uh, that, that's fortuitous. I said at some point we will end up getting together. Uh, who knows? Maybe it could even happen on this trip. Although I kind of doubt wow. it because a lot of my time wow. is spoken for it. I'm, I'm pretty lazy. I don't like to drive, but yeah, maybe. Who knows? Well, that, that's fine. Yes. And you, you know,
0: I'm not the type of person that goes out of, out of my way to make social interaction, but my wife and I got married in Portsmouth, so we spent a lot of time there. So at some point in the future, maybe.
1: Oh, wow. Where did you guys get married? We just derailed the show, but where did you guys get married in Portsmouth? Uh, Portsmouth Harbor events. Okay.
0: Awesome. So- Right. Yeah. It's like right when you enter into Portsmouth. Uh, it's like one of the first hotels on the right, actually. I think I forget the name of the street, but it's like the first street that you can take a right on. Like once you see the big pile of salt and like they're doing all the work <laughs> yes, there now. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, okay. So my wife and I lived in Portsmouth. The reason why we're visiting, uh, we lived in Portsmouth for about five years because she went to University of New Hampshire for her PhD. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So we kind of come back every year to visit friends. Small, small world.
0: Yes. Well actually when I was hosting the, the uh highlight reel, one of the guests was Brett Squires, who we discovered grew up two streets over from my house where I live now, where I was recording. So we we're like, Oh my gosh, another one we could do in person.
1: Yeah, it's great. Oh, and doesn't uh doesn't he go to UNH? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah he
0: goes to UNH. Yeah, yeah. My my wife went there. I mean, we
1: live in New Hampshire, so you know, a lot of connections there. Awesome. Uh everyone, you're welcome for uh for hearing that. I'm sure sure you're edified by knowing knowing where I am as I record this. Yeah, you know and I could take it out, but I think we're going to leave nah, it, you know. Show leave, uh, <laughs> leave it in. Leave, leave it in. Yeah.
0: All right. That's what I'm thinking. But we do have a good show for you today. Going to get into a lot of football talk, some interesting news that transpired this week, and then we're playing a game which uh I'm really looking forward to. But Matt, unfortunately, Hunter Henry, the young tight end In the Chargers offense that people were expecting to break out, Antonio Gates is gone from the picture, tears his ACL. We're not even into June. It's really disappointing. How, you know, deflating is this for Hunter Henry owners out there? Like, what were you expecting him from or expecting from him in 2018?
1: Yeah. Well, this was going to be, I think, a a pretty strong season for him. And one thing that's kind of horrible is that, like, so our show last week, we recorded, we got off the show. And then immediately I looked at Roto world yep. and saw that Hunter Henry torres ACL and was like, Oh, great. Uh, like, you know, that's something that's going to, uh, like, I feel like, you know, it's too bad we didn't get to talk about it last week, but I yeah, know he was, uh, he was primed for a massive breakout because he was one of the most efficient players last year, just in terms of, uh, at his position, in terms of the metrics that you look at. And normally it takes tight ends a couple of years really to integrate into the offense, to become, you know, uh, sort of like the the two-way players where they can be competent enough as blockers. Uh, you know, they can become good enough as route runners to match up against linebackers or safeties. Uh, so this was going to be the year. Uh, he was going to be, you know, like, I think one of the primary options. Like, I was anticipating that he might even take usage away from Keenan Allen. You know, that he mm-hmm. would really be a guy, especially in the red zone. Uh, but yeah, now, I mean, uh, not good for him. I, I do, though, uh, think that this could be good for Mike Williams, someone we talked about last week. Right. Uh You know, I think they might uh, conceivably use him as something of a, you know, kind of smaller move tied in because that's basically what Hunter Henry is, just a move tied in who has tied in legit size.
0: Yeah. um, And just to give some perspective to him, what's vacating with Henry gone? Last season, he had 62 targets, 12 red zone targets, turned that into three red zone touchdowns. Air yards were at 576. So, you know, in some respects, it's not like he's vacating this huge portion of work just on his last year stats alone. But Antonio Gates is gone now. So we were expecting an uptick there. And then like you said, there's a lot of reason they'd incorporate him more into that offense. But they will be replacing him maybe not a one-to-one replacement with Virgil Green who's a really athletic player we're talking a 90th percentile type of athlete going to turn 30 I believe in the season he hasn't really had his breakout or his true season playing in an offense like this solid team Philip Rivers as the passer do you think he can finally break through and become that week-to-week reliable fantasy
1: option man no, I'm just gonna say no. I mean, so it, it's possible, like, uh, he, he could become like, uh, Barnage, you know, from a few seasons ago, where a guy's like mm-hmm. old and somehow he breaks out or like Zach Miller with the Bears a few years ago. Like it, it does happen sometimes with these older tight ends who just like linger around the league and then they get into their thirties and then they have a breakout season out of nowhere. Uh, so it could happen with Green. As you mentioned, he does have the athletic profile. And with the guys who are older and breakout, they do tend mm-hmm. to have that athletic profile. So it is possible he was a very competent college player. Um, but there's been hype around him for, you know, like four preseasons now, you know, like for multiple seasons with the Broncos. It was like in the preseason, he's going to be the guy. He's going to have significant usage this year and then nothing. So uh, I know he's in a system where they historically have relied on the tight end. I just don't know if he's going to be the guy.
0: Yeah, I know. I would like to get excited about it. You know, he's a player you look at. He has some of the best burst metrics you're ever going to see. You know, he really jumps off the page in the, in the athletic regard. But I still have to imagine, you know, we haven't seen it coalesce yet. I think the team has, like you said, Mike Williams. You know, they have some other options that they can go to. So I'm expecting from a fantasy perspective, He is going to be like most tight ends. You know, it's going to be a touchdown specific outcome for him. So he'll have a couple of weeks where he'll be usable. Maybe he slides into a DFS lineup, but I don't think that we can view him now as an entrenched fantasy starter.
1: Yeah, I think it's the type of thing where it's like, okay, we can pencil Virgil Green in for the best season of his career. And that means nothing. Like that's still like very minimal usage. Like the best season of his career is 237 yards and one touchdown. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's not the type of thing that speaks to a lot of future production. Yeah. So um as you look at the rest of this roster now, though, you had said that you think Mike Williams will see the biggest uptick in potential usage. Uh Is there anybody else ancillary options? Do you think maybe they go a little bit more to the running backs now? Maybe that opens up a path for Eckler to get involved a little bit, anything like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, not really. I think it just means that Keenan Allen continues to, to get fed targets. Uh, and then, you know, maybe Eckler, maybe Gordon, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Tyrell Williams, instead of losing targets mm-hmm. to Mike Williams, he's able to keep his target floor that he had. Uh, you know, maybe same thing with Travis Benjamin. So who, I mean, who really knows if they use Mike Williams in a move tight in esque type of way? But I think he's like a natural fit for that. I think he would be good. Uh, you know, like they, they have this player. They spent such a high pick on him last year. They need to figure out some way to use him, preferably without diminishing what it is that they do on offense with the other players. So like if there's some sort of silver lining to this injury, it might be that this is the opportunity they need to develop Mike Williams. But I, I mean, who knows if they're actually going to do it in that way.
0: Yeah, well, definitely a lot of uncertainty there. Now, in that passing game, I don't think though that this really impacts Philip Rivers too heavily if anybody out there was concerned about that. But this is something I'm sure we'll get back to in more depth as we progress through the summer. Before we move on, I did want to take a couple minutes to mention, as I talked about maybe one or two shows ago, that I'm participating um, in what they're calling celebrity eliminators for fantasycares.net, uh, where you're playing in these leagues, 17 teams. Each, it's a best ball league, but the team with the lowest points get knocked, gets knocked out each week. All of the proceeds go to, uh, toys for tots. It's a really awesome thing. So please sign up, play against me. We're gonna have a, uh, chat going and it, it will just be a lot of fun. So go to fantasycares.net. Play against me, sign up for as many things as you, as you can. It's a lot of fun, really good cause. And my other reminder, as always, is you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content and it supports the pod. And you can support the pod in another way by subscribing to and rating Rotoviz Radio channel on iTunes. Do that and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you're the winner. And also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us at Radio at gmail.com and we'll get that set up. One other thing I want to add, I want to try something new on this show, which is to hear from the listeners, get you guys and gals out there more involved. So if you have any questions, maybe a comment you'd like to share and have it played on the air, call into the show's number, which is nine seven eight. 925 7628 and leave us a voicemail include your name where you're from and then your question and in a couple weeks I want to do a pod where we focus on bold predictions for the 2018 season so we want to hear yours call in leave your bold prediction Matt and I will consider the odds of it coming to fruition and break it down so again the number is 978-925-7628 and leave us a voicemail other interesting news that uh occurred this week. Well, in my perspective it isn't really that exciting. We'll see what you think. But 34-year-old Brandon Marshall signs with the Seahawks. Jimmy Graham last season 25 re- over 25 red zone targets, 10 touchdowns in the red zone. Maybe Marshall comes in and fills this void.
1: What's your read on this? Is this worth getting excited about? Uh no, I don't I don't think so, but I'm I'm a little jaded when it comes to Brandon Marshall anyway. Uh, last year I was in a, uh, a dynasty league. So still in the dynasty league with, uh, Jonathan Bales. And, uh, he was, yeah, I mean, I say very insistent. He wasn't really very insistent, but, uh, you know, for, for the sake of the story, he was very insistent that we take Brandon Marshall, uh, because he was just, you know, one season removed from, uh, a good year. Uh, you know, so he thought we might have the opportunity to buy him low and, uh, we really did buy him low. So, uh, no, no, I mean, he's, (laughs) he's 34 at this point or will be 34, uh, during the season. He's now, I think this is his fourth team in five years. Uh, you know, I think he's kind of on the, the wrong side of the, the Des Bryant career trajectory, mm. you know what I mean? So yep. he does have the possibility as like a big bodied guy of potentially filling that red zone role. I just don't know if he's at this point agile enough or quick enough. And then if he's, if he's not, then is he big enough really to fill that role? And I don't know if he is like, there's a difference between Jimmy Graham being slow uh, but still being big enough and uh, right. kind of like dominant enough in the way that he uses his body to like, quote unquote, box out defenders, uh, you know, because he's like 270 pounds. There's a difference between Jimmy Graham doing that and Brandon Marshall doing that at 225 pounds. Absolutely. And
0: the other thing that you have to consider with a player like Marshall is if you look at uh, 2013 on to 2015, when he was still very solid, he was averaging nearly uh just 13 targets to every touchdown. I can't imagine he can keep up a pace like that. And I don't think you're going to see him accruing a whole lot of yardage in that Seattle scheme. So it's really going to come down to those touchdowns, which I can't imagine he really is able to do what Graham did. And the other thing is too, if you look at Graham, it took him a little bit to get going in that offense. So it's not like it's necessarily going to be a plug and play. So when you put this all together, to me, I'm not super hyped up about Marshall arriving there. I guess if you wanted to make the case for him, you could say, well, you know, they have Ed Dixon now at tight end, Mm, you know, he's not going to see a workload like Graham would. If you look at the rest of the receivers, maybe Marshall can do things that, you know, your Tyler Lockett's aren't going to be able to do. Uh, But I'm still not too hyped up about this.
1: Yeah. If I were to have to predict an older tight end who finally gets his shot to break out, I would go with Dixon over Virgil Green. You know, I think Mm. it's not as if I think he's actually going to be a tight end one. Um, but I could see him being a guy who gets more action, uh, within the offense and fills more of the Jimmy Graham role, uh, in comparison to Brandon Marshall. Like, like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't think Brandon Marshall is even going to be, uh, a key part of that offense by the middle of the season. Yeah. I don't think he really needs to be either um especially
0: if Rashad Penny works out they have somewhat of a ground game there maybe they can use a guy like JD McKissick or even hopefully CJ Prosize get him involved in some way and then naturally they have Doug Baldwin who I am still a huge fan of I think they have a couple other talented young receivers like Tyler Lockett that I mentioned so it's not like they have a void that needs to be filled by Marshall so I don't think he's really going to be a priority yeah. But I do want to ask you, you mentioned uh talking about liking Ed Dixon as the old breakout this year. I was in a dynasty league where I kind of needed to rent a tight end for this season. I opted to go with Ed Dixon over George Kittle, mm-hmm. obviously Kittle much younger. And I'm still not sure I made the right decision. What do you think of that? Like, do you yeah. think that Kittle is that it was that how bad of a decision was that? Uh,
1: I don't know if it was a, a bad decision. Um, because in, in part, uh, the, the 49ers depth chart is so unsettled. Like, it's a, it's easy to imagine that they want Kittle potentially to be the guy, but you could see how Selleck ends up getting a lot of action. And then, you know, Pierre Garçon is returning, um, they have Goodwin, you know, they just drafted a wide receiver. Like it's easy to see them not really using mm-hmm. the tight end position all that much. And then if they do that, the workload would be split between Sellick and Kittle. So uh I don't know. I, th- I think it's probably pretty even in dynasty. I would maybe go with Kittle just because he's younger. So I, I feel as if I would have, um you know, maybe more upside with him and also maybe just like a little more of an idea of what he might be be capable of doing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's probably about even.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess the key thing that I should mention too is I really believe that my team has the best shot of winning the championship this year. So it was kind of like getting the tight end for this year, yeah, uh, which it sounds like you think that there is a decent outlook for him. Uh, not to make this a show about my dynasty teams because I know that's frustrating to listen to, but it is topical, I think, because we were talking about the Seahawks team trying to gauge what the passing attack might look like yeah. now. Yeah, so. Speaking of Dynasty, I want to tell you about our friends at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit your interest and budget, whether you like best ball or superflex, or classic managed leagues. There are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. If you like Dynasty, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty Leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And the incredible thing is not a single Dynasty League has folded in eight years. New Dynasty Leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. That's right. It's buy, sell, hold time. For the first time in the show history, we're going to be rolling out some games. And the first one that we're going to be playing is buy, sell, hold. And I'm excited that I got to use this drop. So Matt, I think it's a pretty obvious concept, but buy, sell, hold. I'm going to name you some players I want your opinion on if you think at their current ADP, which is taken from MFL 10 leagues, leagues where players are actively drafting with money on the line, if you think that player at that price is a guy that you'd want to go after, you'd want to buy him, you think it's a hold, he's priced right, or a sell, it is a point in the draft where you would say no. Make sense?
1: Yeah. By the way, that was fantastic music. Uh, I hope we can hear that music again at some point. Maybe not this oh. episode, but, but some point in a future episode. Okay.
0: I, well, I'll tell you something. I was uh, busy this morning getting a lot of music and I have one in particular that I cannot wait to roll out for you. Uh-oh. So at some point, I'm going to hit you with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. But Julio Jones is going at pick 13. I want to know what you think about this. Me personally, I I think that's a little rich for me right now. I mean, Julio is one of the better well, one of the top three I would probably say real or, or top four. Wow. I you know, I'm having trouble I'm going back and <laughs> You're forth talking on myself. A lot into tonight. Him. Yeah. I'm talking this is
1: weird. I feel like tonight I am the optimist and you have been the negative one. Uh yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic on Julio. I know there are people who who don't like him. Uh, for a variety of reasons. And, and so I get it. I like part of it is the distribution of his production. Uh, that's exactly what I was yeah, going to get to. He's, he's very boomer bust. And so, especially if you are in a redraft league, uh, where you have to decide on who to play, uh, then it, it's much harder. Uh, in best ball, uh, though, which is what we're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. I think he's totally fine. Uh, so if he's around the ADP 13, I think that's a little bit low for him, like, like close to the right range, but I think a little bit low. Uh, you know, we're talking about a guy who is a top 10 wide receiver, fantasy receiver, you know, basically since he entered <coughs> basically since he entered the league uh, for sure from 2012 on and, uh, you know, from 2013 to last season. So a five year span, he has over 100 yards per game. Like that is just an unreal level of production. OK, and, yeah, that that is, you know, and, and so especially in the best ball format. Where it is totally fine for you to have a boom or bust distribution. And in fact, that actually might be desirable. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's good. Okay. I mean, I, I guess I can get on
0: board with that. I, I, it really, I guess would depend on the direction you're going. But I think for this exercise, we're just focusing on the price. So that would mean, are you holding though? Or are you buying? I
1: forget what you said. I would be buying him at, at 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. If he's, if he's there, I think he should be going you know, anywhere from like nine to 11, kind of like in that range. So if he's there at 13, I'm definitely good with him.
0: Yeah. And you know, as I'm looking at it to try to talk myself more into this, the weird thing though, Last year he wasn't as efficient as before, but I look at those red zone targets. 20 red zone targets last year only turned them into yeah, one red zone touchdown. 20 in 2015-22 he turned it into five. So he was more efficient that year than most, but I mean still he's averaging 15 red zone targets in the last 5 years to two red zone touchdowns. It just it's so peculiar.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see some major touchdown progression there. I mean, I think he's one of the only guys in the league who legitimately has, like in addition to like Antonio Brown, who legitimately mm-hmm. has like 1,600 yards, 16 touchdown potential. And I know like you say that about a guy who has scored, I don't know how many touchdowns in the last three years, Uh, you know, pro- probably not even si- 17 touchdowns in the last three years. Like yep. I think he has the potential to come close to that in one year. And a lot of it is just because touchdown production is so fluky, but he gets such great target, uh, you know, like target accumulation. Uh, and he's pretty efficient in terms of just turning his targets into yards.
0: Yeah. Um, The other thing to note too, is we speak about potential for progression last year. Now, not that this is always sticky for a player, but their targets per touchdown for him, it was at 46 last season. It's normally somewhere closer to 30. So there definitely should be a bounce back. He had 2,105 air yards last season, which was the most he's had um going back five years. So yeah, I, I think I do expect a better outcome from Julio going into this season, probably Matt Ryan as well. Uh, But I think for me, it would be more of a hold, Uh, but I'm probably too focused on redraft. That's where I spend most of my time. I don't do as much best ball. So to your point, I think for him, it's probably okay because that end of the season point accumulation uh will be pretty high. In the last three years, uh he goes for 13 games with 10 plus points. You look at 15 plus 10 times uh, a season, that's still pretty darn good. 20 plus 7 times, 25 plus 4 times, top 12, 7 games on average out of a 16-game season. So maybe I'm being too influenced by how the points have been accrued the last season or two, uh, but I'm going to stick with my guns and say that Julio is a hold for me. So... Who is up next? Let me pop over here. Oh, another receiver, a player that I really like.
1: Adam Thielen at pick 30. Uh, I think that might be a smidgen high, but I don't have uh much wrong with that. So I'd say that's that's around a hold for me. Um maybe even mm, maybe even a little bit of a sell, but I, I'm not going to like quibble too much with it. Uh so there there are a couple things that go into this. So one uh, like Julio Jones, I think he has the potential for some touchdown progression next year. Uh, if he, if he sees a similar number of targets. Um, but there's also the potential that next year the offense doesn't do as well. So new quarterback coming in, we should assume that Kirk Cousins can be better than what they had last year. <laughs> um, but at the same time, there's no guarantee. And sometimes quarterbacks do struggle. In their first year, uh, you know, in a new offense, new players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, new city, just things like that. And then also it's a new coordinator there. So I don't That's know. A, yep, yeah, exactly. You know, so there, there's a little uncertainty in that situation. Um, which makes me at pick 30, you know, like he's going to be, you know, he's going to be like the third guy on your team. Um, I don't know. There's just right. maybe a little too much uncertainty there for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's it's maybe a hold. It's definitely not a, a must buy because I do think that though I like Thielen and I like his skill set, I think he's talented. I kind of think that Diggs is the better overall receiver. Um, when you look at this team And you look at them playing together when Diggs is at full health, he's been the guy that they go to. So Thielen actually at this point in time is getting drafted at 30, Diggs is at 35. But I would not be shocked in any way if you see things skew and Diggs becomes the clear number one. I'm not gonna, I'm not saying that it's gonna happen, but I think it's more likely that he becomes the clear number one and can outpace in air yards, targets, quality looks. Thielen whereas I don't see a scenario where Thielen barring a Diggs injury really runs away with the workload uh the other thing too we got to consider too Dalvin Cook returning you know you don't know with the new coordinator how things are going to shake out uh so when I put this all together and with my preference for Diggs it's more of a hold especially if I can get Diggs in that same spot because for me Diggs is the player I would take before Thielen
1: yeah I definitely uh I agree with you there. For me, they are basically neck and neck. And I think it's pretty hard to to predict which one will actually end up being better. So if you are, I think, bullish on that offense and you want a piece of it, I think you just kind of take the one who falls to you out of those two guys.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... Right. I, I prefer digs. But like you said, you know, it's not like we can really at this point, especially accurately predict who is going to be the major player. And there is certainly many scenarios in which they're more or less analogous. Uh And the final thing that you like you touched upon with Kirk Cousins coming in. Yes, Kirk Cousins, really good quarterback, has been solid from a fantasy standpoint. I think in this free agency period, he was likely the best quarterback, but that does not mean that he can step right in and this offense is going to be functioning at the levels it was last year towards the end of the season in week one, week two, week three. So that's one thing I think we need to keep in mind as we are drafting these players uh, in the coming season. But... A player that, uh, is at the tight end position, Zach Ertz, he's only a couple picks later. He's at 39. I guess, how do you feel, not only about Ertz, but taking a tight end of his caliber at this point in the draft? To me, seems a little bit early to be going for Ertz.
1: Yeah. So in a vacuum, I like Ertz. And I think, um, I think at this position, it's, it, it's maybe not too high. Um, kind of like in, again, in the vacuum, but I think if you start taking kind of like positional scarcity, mm-hmm. uh, and just like roster construction into account, uh, my general preference would be to wait on the tight end position, especially again, in the best ball format, uh, right to wait on the tight end position. If it's a regular redraft league and you have to lock a guy in, then I'm much more willing to spring for a tight end earlier just because I want to know I have that position locked in with a player I actually trust. Right. And last
0: season, Ertz put up 198 PPR points, best season of his career. Uh, This is one of those things too, where you have to look at, like you mentioned, obviously there's the factor of positional scarcity. But there are probably some options of players that are going to substantially outscore him at that point. And, you know, maybe the difference in their production versus what you'd be getting if you waited on that position is more than the difference between Ertz and, you know, an average tight end. So for me, I think I would sell at that standpoint, um based upon a lot of factors. In a vacuum, yeah, I mean, I think for me, Ertz is probably the third or fourth best tight end going into this season, but it's really more of a positional
1: thing for me there. Sorry. Uh, One more thing about Ertz that is intriguing. So, I mean, people obviously know that he is a great tight end, but really over the last two seasons, uh, whenever Jordan Matthews hasn't been there, and obviously Jordan Matthews wasn't there last year, but there were some games in which Ertz was out. So if you take the last two years in which he's been there with Doug Peterson Jordan Matthews hasn't been there, so Zach Ertz has been functioning as that kind of big-bodied, slot-esque receiver. In those 16 games, not counting the, the postseason, in the 16 games without Jordan Matthews, he has 16.6 PPR points. Uh, that is just absolutely outrageous production. .69 touchdowns per game, 65 yards per game, almost nine targets per game, six receptions per game. Just uh, fantastic production. So uh, there is a lot to be enthusiastic about with Zach Ertz. Oh my gosh. I just realized this too. Last week,
0: or last season, he played 13 games. He finished in the top 12, 11 of those 13 games. That I think might have been the best. Oh, uh, you know what? Just to put this in perspective, let me pull up Travis Kelsey pretty quickly here and uh, see what he did. So Kelsey went on 15 games, finished in the top 12, just 11 times. Wow. That's impressive. Oof, Matt, you might be talking me into Zach Ertz. I still think at that point, though, it's a little, little too
1: rich for me. Yeah, it's, it's a little pricey. I mean, if I want like a, a high-end elite guy, I'm pretty much going to go like Gronk or Kelsey. Um, <coughs> but, uh, yeah, Zach Ertz at 39. I think that is value if you are in the market for a tight end in that range. Okay. That, that is fair. Now, a player
0: who is being drafted at 59, and I really don't like this. Is Carlos Hyde with you being the, the optimist for us? Sometimes anything <laughs> here
1: that you can you can make an argument for. No hard pass. I mean, like it's it's possible that he might return value, but I think you are drafting him near the top of his um, his range of outcomes. You know, this is a team one that has a pretty good established receiving back in Duke Johnson, and then two just spent a very high second rounder, almost a first rounder on Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, It wouldn't be surprising to see Chubb in the second half of the season really be the first and second down guy. And then also, this is a team, although I think they are improving, this is a team that once again could struggle, so they could be in negative game script for a lot of the season, which would mean that conceivably Carlos Hyde would be off the field Duke Johnson would be on the field. So no, I'm at this ADP absolutely staying away from Carlos Hyde. Yeah. And and
0: sometimes you'll take the approach. I'm going to go with the cheapest running back on a particular team. But to me, this is one where there's a couple distinguishing factors with the other player. Like you mentioned, Chubb, the draft capital, Duke Johnson, obviously he's going to remain involved in the passing game. And then if you consider the other weapons that this team now has, they have Jarvis Landry, who out of the slot, they can basically use like another running back. Have Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, David Njoku. There's a lot of players in this offense. So to me, the chances of Carlos Hyde being one of the guys that really hits from this offense are very low. And there's a lot of other solid players out there with potential to have the, you know, have control of their offense. So for Hyde, when you look at the probabilities versus the cost, it's a definite sell. Rex Burkhead is currently going at 88, kind of a similar situation here to hide. I think for me, that is a definite, uh, sell as well. I don't know what these, what what are these
1: people thinking? <laughs> so yeah, Burkhead is interesting. I'm, yeah, I don't know. So I'm of two minds on this. Uh, so actually here's a question. Sure. Are you a Patriots fan? Yes, I am. I am. Do you think that colors in any way, potentially the way you look at Burkhead?
0: I definitely do, but I, well, Okay. I think for me, it would make me more inclined to like Burkhead because I wanted him last season to be used as much as possible. I kind of wanted him to become one of the focal points of the offense, but having been a Patriots fan following this team so closely season in and season out, I may be overcorrect to the point that I just stay away from Patriot running backs altogether. Uh, so for me, like no matter what, I'm basically staying away from them. So yes, it certainly colors my impressions of Rex Burkhead, but, uh, in kind of a, uh, I guess a way that competes with itself, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. So here's, here are my perspectives on Burkhead. Uh, he is a pretty versatile back. Uh, you know, he can catch the ball and I think he can be a first and second down guy if they want him to be. Uh, now, Granted, he is in a system where they just tend to spread the ball uh, to different running backs, and it's very hard to determine in any given game what they're going to do. Uh, but I think that means that maybe, you know, four to eight games in this upcoming season, Burkhead will have a viable game, mm-hmm. you know, like where he gets 50 to 70 yards and maybe a touchdown you know maybe three receptions. So I think he he I think he has a chance of actually being someone who returns value at the 88th pick. Like if if I had to look at the running backs on this team right now and predict which one at the end of the season will have the most fantasy points, it actually might be Rex Burkhead. Um but I don't know if it will be sufficiently higher than any of the other running backs on the team, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I I think he's I think he's the guy. I think he will end up being the guy who has the most production. I think that I actually expect it's all going to be
0: very close, but I actually think that uh, Michelle might be the guy that finishes with the most points. But the thing that we have to focus on here is he's going at eighty eighth. It's a twelve team league in MFL ten. Yes, he could have. I think six would be the real high reach of how many, you know, like really usable MFL 10 type of weeks you're going to get. I would rather use that pick on a player that I feel has the potential to every single week be the guy. Not that that's going to happen, but at the end of the season, I am going to get a lot more or I'm hoping to get a lot more production out of that seventh round pick than I can expect to get with Burkhead. So for me, it is definitely a sell, but for you, it seems like it could be a hold. I don't know if you actually gave us your final
1: answer there. I think I would buy. Oh my God, a buy? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think it just sort of depends on if you're looking for a running back at that position, or maybe you have more of a need at wide receiver. But I think if you're looking for a running back, that puts him at kind of like the low end of the running back three, high end running back four range. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he could, I think he could get that. Um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm very not optimistic about Sony Michelle this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Gillisley, you know, he potentially could be cut. Um, you know, Brandon Bolden is basically just a special team. Right. like, I could see Burkhead being a guy who actually gets some run this year. All right. Well, uh, like, okay. Like I think, I think the touchdown, I think it's the versatility okay. thing. So one, I think he's going to be able to, I think out of all those running backs, he's the one most likely to get the most touchdowns. And then he also has ability as a receiver. So like for me, you put those two things together. I think he will cobble together enough fantasy usable games over the course of the season,
0: let me ask you this: What would you say is Burkhead's ceiling on the season? Like, what's his best case outcome?
1: Um, I think his best case outcome is actually something like, uh, like good Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, where like he actually becomes the guy, uh, like Sony Michelle. So let's say that like someone either Michelle or white like gets injured or something like that. Right. And then the other guy just doesn't really prove himself as someone who's more than a change of pace back. Then I think at that point you have Burkhead, who's clearly the first and second down guy. And this is an offense that, uh, you know, produces a lot of points. So you have a guy who has a chance of getting touchdowns and then Burkhead is a competent receiver. So like I could see a guy who has like 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns like as as an upside thing like I think that's more than possible wow I mean I can certainly understand that narrative I think that
0: it is definitely possible but I would put that scenario at under three percent odd or you know less than a three percent chance of actually playing out so I, I, I I'm gonna have to disagree with you on this one and I would say this is one that I actually would very confidently take any bet. Not that I'm looking for one here, but I would take any bet that involved Burkhead justifying that seventh round pick. Okay. Well, how about
1: this? Okay. Do you want to take heads up? Do you want to take Michelle versus Burkhead? Most fantasy points at the end of the season, PPR? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll figure out. The we'll odds. figure it out. Or, or not at the odds. We'll, we'll figure out this. Day, yeah. You know what? I like this because I was so upset
0: about the uh, draft pick used on Michelle that I innately was just going to not like him but now it's going to make me want to root for him so this is this is a good thing uh unrelated (laughs) but today it randomly just occurred to me um so we have i have this set of these little like 32 mini um nfl helmets and my daughter was playing with them she's one and a half so she just likes to pick them up and take them out of the package and she picked up the steelers helmet and i was just make it you know like giving her things to to learn just kind of filling the filling the space and I mentioned how the Steelers were one of the few teams that were up there with Patriots and Super Bowl wins and then it made me realize how upset I still am about the benching of Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl and how cheated I feel of having that sixth Super Bowl ring
1: yeah uh I don't know I mean you gotta trust the process oh my gosh you gotta gotta trust Bill
0: oh my gosh and that's the same thing that happened with the with the Sony Michelle pick. When I was complaining about it, everybody up here was like, "Well, it, it, it's Belichick, so it has to be a good pick. It can't be a it can't be a bad yeah. pick." And I was just like, "Well, Darius Kais is better. There, we shouldn't be using a running back there." I'm really getting off the wheels here, but I'm still yeah. upset about that, and I'm sure people
1: can relate. Oh, that's interesting. So I think there's a pretty big difference between questioning decision makers about draft picks versus questioning decision makers about personnel decisions that they make during a game yeah. or, or 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 before a game starts because there's just so much like they have so much more information on these guys than we do mm. in comparison to uh the draft where like we all it's not as if like they uh, it's not as if like we have equal information But like the degree to which they have much more information than we do when it comes to evaluating players, I think is reduced. Right. So I I feel it's easier to be like, oh, that was a crappy pick versus like, oh, wow, he really shouldn't have played this player in this situation.
0: Yeah, I definitely, definitely can understand that. And I do think that that just kind of speaks to sometimes when we're watching sports or you hear people comment on things, there's a lot of assumptions going into their assessment and lots of times we don't really know what a team is trying to achieve in a certain situation. There might be external factors or things that are going on in that game that, like you said, they know about in that, you know, we might not even have the understanding about or, or are able to accurately di- digest and diagnose what was going on. But in the draft pick case, I do think this is, like you said, it's something where we have... A much closer level of understanding or data on that player and in the case of uh, of a player like the, the oddest thing for me was this is a team that has shown you can take a lot of different types of running backs they can have various skill sets various talent and the Patriots make them work it's not like they needed that one running back to really make the focal point so it was just a very odd use of that pick but anyway I, I digress unless you have any more thoughts on that
1: no, I mean, totally agree. I, I don't see the point in drafting Sonny Michel when you have James White signed to a, you know, pretty team friendly, longer term type of contract.
0: Yeah. Well, former Patriot here, which was another head scratcher for a lot of people in New England. Uh, but I, I wasn't as opposed to as other people wasn't ideal. But Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco now, he's going at 106. That's uh, in terms of quarterbacks being taken in these. That's a pretty aggressive
1: valuation for Jimmy. Thoughts? okay so two things one and this is just uh, showing my uh ignorance when i saw jimmy g on the outline i actually thought this was jimmy graham um <laughs> all right this might just be a, this might be a regional and, 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 thing because around here like he's only called jimmy g like yeah. that that's it uh that, that i mean that totally makes sense and so i i was even thinking like Jimmy Graham at 106, like that seems really off. Like I was just like looking at the datum, like that's not really what I'm seeing here. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo at 106 makes much more sense. Uh, I think that's, that's a hold for me. Um, I think he has the upside of being a top three fantasy producer this year. Mm-hmm. I think he also has the downside of being like, you know, like number 15 at the position, like something like that, you know, maybe like number 17. Um, you know, I think he's being drafted right now around like QB 13 to 15. So I think he's, I think he's being uh drafted closer to the the bottom of like his range of outcomes. So I think it's fine. I think there's a lot of upside with him there. It's just a question of whether you're the type who likes to go with quarterbacks there, or maybe you want to wait a little bit longer.
0: Right. Yeah. So I- at least as of now, when I pull up the uh, ADP for MFL 10s, it is, pick. Uh He's going as the ninth quarterback off the board. So he's been going before guys like Stafford, Roethlisberger, Rivers, uh, Mahomes uh, as well. So I guess it's easy to make the case for him there. We did get a pretty solid, granted it was short sample of what he was able to do. There's things to like about that offense. Definitely has more upside than a guy like Stafford or Roethlisberger. In in that you can say we've seen enough of them never finishing as like a top three. That might not be totally true, but at least in recent years. Uh, so I can see how you can make the case for him there. Um, with my drafting style, especially in the best ball league, I don't see myself going with Garoppolo there, but I I do think that's a fair price. It's not too much of a reach. So I'm okay with that, but I'm curious. Let's say you did see Jimmy Graham at the
1: 106. What, were, what would your thoughts have been? <laughs> Clear by, yes, you know, yeah, clear, clear by. So yeah, we don't need to dissect that anymore. I okay. was like Jimmy Graham was like, yeah, that's a, that's an easy clear value there. Yeah.
0: Yes. So yeah, that's one of those, you almost don't know if I'm putting it in just to make a point of how obvious of like the easy decision it is, or if it's just, uh, you know, because I'm maybe <laughs> not on board with that. So yeah, no,
1: I was just, I was just clearly looking at, at the wrong data. I was just kind of combing through it and like, man, I am really not seeing him in this draft range.
0: Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So final player that I want to talk about tonight, Calvin Benjamin, he's at the 116 only uh, I, I don't know if it's fair to say he's the only receiver in Buffalo. Maybe it kind of is. You can definitely make a case for a lot of targets coming his way. Of course, they're from Josh Allen. So who knows if they'll even be within 10 feet of him. Uh, any reason to like Benjamin here? No.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, so the the bullish case for him is that, as you said, he basically is the like the only target there. Uh, who knows how much they can depend on from Zay Jones or Jeremy Curley or whoever else is even on the roster right now. So, like, Kelvin Benjamin is the guy, but, uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy will get his targets. Charles Clay will get his targets. And then this offense might not even be efficient enough to give Benjamin a decent shot at getting a lot of red zone targets. Right. So, if he's not getting the red zone targets, and he's not very efficient with the targets he does get. Like, he's not very good at turning targets into extra yards because he's basically a slug at this point. Uh, you know, like he was never exceptionally athletic to begin with. And then now, <coughs> sorry. No worries. And then now he has the knee issues. Uh, no, I mean, I don't want him at all at 116. I think he should be closer to like 150. Well, let's keep in mind he does produce 3.2 yards after the reception.
0: So, uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's just no real case that I can make for him. Um, I don't think we even need to explain it anymore. Just to put things in perspective that 3.2, uh, yards per reception ranked 160 last year. Uh, air yards per target haven't been that great. And yeah, I mean, there's not anything I can give you unless he were to, clearly be expecting a good like 30 maybe even more red zone targets which there's no chance of that happening so for me this is a major major sell yeah totally agree so we have a couple of minutes this might not be the most topical game ever matt but i want to roll it out what do you think
1: no Which which game? Which game?
0: Oh, no, no. It's not on the sheet. This is a bonus game that I did not have. Okay. I'm just going to queue it up here and we'll see what you think. Okay.
1: Ah, right then. Right. Okay. Gryffindor!
0: You probably have no idea where this is going. Uh,
1: I, I mean, I know where that's from, but I don't know where it's going. All right,
0: I believe that I've heard that you are a big Harry Potter fan.
1: Yes. All right. I am as
0: well. One of my favorite things to do is talk about real-life people that I know and what house they would get sorted into. If you're up for it, I'm going to list some NFL players and coaches, and you can real quickly just tell us what house <sighs> okay. what, what house you see them falling into.
1: Okay, this is good. This is an excellent segment. I thought I so, especially for the end of it. Yes. Uh, I got some more yes. of these
0: two because I it's actually come to my attention that we share a lot of things like misanthropy. I believe you like Seinfeld. Yes. Okay, uh, good.
1: And misanthropy and Seinfeld go together very well. Yes, yes.
0: they do. But topic at hand. The Harry Potter Sorting Hat. For those of you that don't know, there's four houses: there's Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. What what house do you fall into?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't want to presume, but I think I'm a Gryffindor. Oh, doesn't everybody? I think I think a lot of people do. Although, uh, so my wife is a university professor. Oh, and A lot of the students yep. that she teaches think that they would fall into Hufflepuff interesting it's like it's like they they say Hufflepuff not many people claim Hufflepuff I don't think right uh, you know some some of them do I don't I don't know maybe it's a maybe it's like uh, a result of like the location where we live or Hmm. I mean I'm not sure
0: well I feel like Hufflepuff is when there's not really any like distinguishing characteristics that's where they fall an intellectual kind of automatically gets put into Ravenclaw but yeah you know Bill Belichick, I think this is an obvious one. Where is he? I think
1: he's a Slytherin.
0: Absolutely. Is there even any question? <laughs> yeah.
1: Perfect Slytherin.
0: Yes. He is like the poster child for Slytherin. I can just picture him with the black and green robes on, off in potions class, just, you know, conjuring up some really messy stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think if you are in, like an intellectual, but you have like a slight, uh, it's not mischievous bent, but like a, <laughs> a slightly dark side, mm-hmm. then you go into Slytherin. And, but if you're intellectual, uh, and you have sort of like, uh, I don't know, like, like an exploratory type of nature, you know, then maybe you go into Gryffindor. Uh, you know, cause maybe you're like more courageous or something, but if mm. you're just sort of like the, the straight, uh, like book academic intellectual, then you're maybe more of a Ravenclaw, Right. Too, Cause Gryffindor, there's a little bit of a mischievous streak in them.
0: Yeah. And, and yeah. Slytherin, there's definitely, you know, vindictiveness too, in addition yes. to the
1: darkness. So yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I think, I think he's Hufflepuff. Oh, me too. Yep. Yeah. Like I, I could see like Gryffindor, but I think he's more Hufflepuff just because he's like. So laid back, like no one dislikes him for any reason. You know, like he's just he's a great guy. So yeah, like I think he strikes me as like very Hufflepuff.
0: Oh yeah, I definitely picture him uh riding his bike back and forth between uh potions and charms and divination uh yeah. in, in the
1: Hufflepuff yellow. OBJ. Yes. OBJ? Uh man, I think he's a Slytherin. Oh,
0: that's what I was gonna say too.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he's he's a Slytherin. He's cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like he's uh. like, like, I feel like he's the type who would just like score touchdowns on people and then like you know like slice them.
0: Hey, yep, you know, yep, oh yeah, yeah. Sectum semper, I can see it. Yeah, uh,
1: David Johnson. Uh, David Johnson. I think he's a grip. Yes, boy.
0: yes, yes.
1: That's what I was gonna say too. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, uh, you know, kind of like coming from nowhere a little bit, yep. and then has uh, this sort of like unexpected production. Uh, But, like, that magical raw power was there all along. Oh, absolutely. He can do it all. I like that. Hard worker. Does all the right
0: things. Definitely a Gryffindor. The new broadcaster of Monday Night Football, Jason
1: Whitten. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't think he's a Ravenclaw. I think I, I would go with, uh, another Gryffindor. Yeah, I thought
0: that was the thing, but I do wonder, he's one of those guys. I wonder if there's more to him than meets the eye and perhaps he's not really that golden Gryffindor. I don't know, but he's replacing John Gruden. Now this one, I'm really interested to see where you sort (laughs) Gruden. Uh,
1: Gruden is not in the house. He, he's not <laughs> he's a squib oh my god he's a squib yes maybe
0: he's out tending the uh the fields uh working for hagrid
1: yeah i i think actually so if he's in a house i think he's a slytherin but i think he's one of the dumb slytherins oh my gosh yeah he's like crab or a goyle i was yeah. gonna say
0: i think he ends up in hufflepuff because he lacks the he thinks he's an evil genius but the sorting hat knows that he's really not as
1: capable as he thinks so it moves him over to hufflepuff mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I think if you think you are an evil genius, whether or not you actually are a genius, you have that, uh, like that heightened potential for evil, and that puts you in Slytherin. Interesting. Now, of course, we'd have to also consider the fact that
0: it's going to take into account where he wants to go, and I think yeah. Gruden might not want to be perceived as a Slytherin,
1: so maybe that would force him out. Uh, yeah, yeah, that might be true. All right, but like he, the Raiders. I mean, like I feel like if there's like a Slytherin yeah, type that's of true. franchise, the the Raiders are kind of it.
0: Oh yeah, that, yeah. I would say between the raiders and uh jim ursay uh so maybe you maybe you fold the colts into that too i don't know there's a lot of unsavory characters in the
1: nfl let's let's be honest but rob gronkowski hufflepuff hufflepuff yeah definitely because i I feel like he's just more of like that party animal type i mean maybe gryffindor Mm, um Just because, like, he, you know, he's maybe someone who would have, like, hung out with James and been, like, super mischievous and gotten into trouble. Yeah. Um, but never been expelled just because, like, people like him. Um, right. There's but, a boyish yeah, I, charm, I think, Yeah. But I think he's more of a Hufflepuff. Yeah.
0: That's where I was going to go, too. So I, I, I like how, uh, in sync we were there. I actually think that might be my favorite segment that we've done so far. Uh, which definitely is just
1: exposed the level of nerdiness that goes into this show yeah and also uh it's probably the most useful segment we've we've ever done, <laughs> which probably also doesn't speak well of the show, but uh definitely a fun segment, yeah, yeah, all right,
0: well, if people like it, we'll have hopefully some more games like that uh we'll try not to do them every episode, but I can't wait to to bring some uh Seinfeld conversation into the
1: fold as well before we close one, uh, oh, go ahead, yeah, one thing I think uh. If people are interested in actually calling us, it would be good to get their thoughts on uh, on some of the players we mentioned or to get our uh, to ask us about other players. And we can give our um, our Harry Potter house uh, prediction on on where these players. Would oh, go. my gosh. I love it.
0: Wow. I, yeah. I, oh, the other thing we'll have to talk about, too, is Quidditch positions at some point.
1: man oh my god Uh, no no
0: (laughs) no (laughs) oh maybe all right maybe Maybe. we'll think about it we'll think about it hey as a reminder though um that number that you can call in don't forget we want to hear about your bold predictions for 2018 978 925 7628 i'll put that in the show notes uh so you can find that on the site as well oh one thing i want to i want to touch upon quickly it was brought to my attention that we forgot to talk about uh Goodwin last week. Oh, yeah. Any thoughts on him?
1: I mean, he's someone who I think uh, so like in a vacuum based on the production he had and then based on like the Bayesian prior of uh, his draft position, his collegiate production and his physical profile, like you would think that he is someone who could break out this year. But the the question is like, where where is that production going to come from? Like Mike Evans is still there. He's going to get his targets. They have Deshaun Jackson, who presumably is still a starter. They have two tight ends, right? Right, And then they also have a, a competent slot receiver that they want to get the ball to. Where is Godwin going to get his production? I just kind of don't see it happening unless there's an injury.
0: Right. And, and you know, I, I think that just kind of like in my mind was so ingrained that that that's probably like the the reason that I – just completely glossed over even bringing him up so i'm kind of with you there i think that he's a player in the right situation it could come to fruition but i'm not seeing that this year in tampa bay
1: yeah exactly same yeah
0: yep any other actual nfl thoughts now that we've talked about portsmouth a lot we've gone through harry potter in depth <laughs> no. Okay.
1: No, 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 no NFL
0: thoughts. All right. Well, in that event, that's going to do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave caben FF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F. The Oracle. Don't forget to call in to 978-925-7628 and tell us your bold predictions. This has been RotoViz Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review and be sure to tune in next week. Thank you for listening to roto Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at roto Radio and support the pod by subscribing to roto at a 30% discount through the listener homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.